GameStop, AMC, Doge. Everything seemed to be going to the moon a few months ago, but as the stock market craze has kind of died a little bit, what exactly were people investing in? We're going to be going over the basics of the stock market so that the next time one of your friends who turned their lunch money into thousands with Dogecoin brings up the stock market, you understand that the crypto market is not the stock market. It's essentially a digital marketplace where you can buy and sell fractions of ownership in a company. If you played Animal Crossing in the past year, think about the game's stock market or its turnip market. It's a pretty similar concept. And if you've never stepped foot into the real stock market, you might be scared and intimidated based on what you've heard from others or even your parents. Preconceptions might lead you to believe that the stock market is a place where you could lose all your money. But that's only true if you enter without the proper education and knowledge and make major, major mistakes. And that proper education and knowledge is going to start off with this episode. You just heard from Mint, who teaches financial literacy on his YouTube channel, Money with Mint. And his Animal Crossing example is a great way to showcase the concept of supply and demand. Keep that idea of supply and demand in the back of your head because I want to highlight something that Josh, a current finance student and the chief investment officer at the San Jose State University Investment Fund, has to say about the importance of the stock market. There are four things overall that you can do with money. You can save, spend, invest, or give it away. The stock market is important because it allows you, the saver, to invest your money into publicly traded companies. These companies are spenders. This way, Nike can continue to create more sneaker designs to potentially generate value for you as an owner. When you buy a share of a stock, you're investing into a company, and you can think of it this way. If you've ever watched Shark Tank before, you know how Mark Cuban will always say something like, I'll give you $100,000 for 20% of your company. Well, when you're buying a stock, you're effectively becoming Mark Cuban, but instead of buying 20% for $100,000, maybe you buy 0.000001% of Target for $200. When you're investing, you're hoping that the stock goes up, but it can also go down too, and this is where the supply and demand sort of idea comes into play. Let's break it down a little bit more. Stock prices go up and down for various reasons. But if you remember your basic economics course, supply and demand is one of the main underlying factors of a stock's price movement. If a lot of people are looking to buy a stock, which creates demand, then the price goes up. If a lot of people are looking to sell, then the price goes down. This is also based on the company's underlying value, both in the short term and the long term. So let's take Apple, for example. Apple continues to increase their revenue year over year while making new products that consumers continue to buy. Apple's brand is also very powerful from a social perspective. Thus, the value of the company goes up, more people want to invest in the company, and then the stock price goes up. Conversely, a stock price will go down if the company is not performing well that quarter or that year and the revenue misses their targets. There are a lot of other factors out there, but to keep things simple, truly understanding what supply and demand is, is a great place to get started in the world of stocks. So let's break it down into a little bit of a simpler way. The more demand typically means higher prices, and less demand typically means lower prices. So an example of this is the new Jordan 6 Retro Travis Scott's that just came out earlier this week. At the beginning, when they first came out, they were reselling for over $1,000 because everyone wanted a pair. But now, as the hype has died down a little bit, they're selling for around $700 because there's less demand. 
In the world of clothing, demand can come from collaborations, brand, and pop culture. But in the world of stocks, that demand can also come from balance sheets, earning reports, and future outlook. So now that we have the basics of understanding of what a stock market is and the concept of supply and demand, what do students typically get wrong? One thing that students typically get wrong is they may not be informed of what a stock is, and they don't do their research beforehand. A stock is a piece of ownership in a company. These aren't lottery tickets. When you purchase something like a car, you do research, compare with other dealerships, etc. But when it comes to stocks, people may sometimes be very quick to invest in things they may not understand. And when you ask why they bought the stock, they themselves may not be able to explain why. I think it's important, again, for students to really understand what they're investing in and to reach out to certified people for advice so that they are not fooled and that their hard-earned money does not go down the drain. Like Josh said, when you buy a car, you do your research to make sure that you don't get a lemon. And when you buy the new Jordans, you do your research to make sure that they're real and that they can hold their value. Now, during the whole GameStop craze, I know a lot of friends who were just kind of throwing their money at random stocks because they saw others making money. Sometimes that works, but at the same time, sometimes it doesn't. And I've seen way too many people thinking that they have diamond hands when in reality, they're just hoping for the price to magically move up. Now, when you're throwing your money around like this, it can really make it seem like the stock market is basically gambling. But check out Judy's perspective on this. She's a leader in the consumer tech world and has also worked at places like Amazon and Uber. And she's also the founder and CEO of Money Girls. The thing that I believe a lot of people get wrong about the stock market, whether you're a beginner in your 20s or you're well into your 30s, is that the stock market is incredibly risky. Now, it's volatile. It does go up and down. But it's not risky if you don't sell your stocks when it's in a trough. If you put your dollars in, however much, $50 per month or $50 per year in your very early years, and you just leave it in the stock market and you don't touch it until you're well into your 50s and 60s, it's not risky in the sense that in the past 100 years, the US stock market has always gone up and to the right. So remember that when people tell you the stock market is a roller coaster, Think about it in terms of the roller coaster is not scary if you are not jumping out. If you don't need to jump out, whether it's high or whether it's low doesn't mean anything to you. So if you think about over the past pandemic year, a lot of people have said it's been volatile and stressful, but that's only if they're trying to time the market and saying, I'm going to buy some stocks when it's low or sell some stocks when it's high, but I didn't do anything over the past year other than actually try to buy some stocks when it was low because it was discounted in my view. In my view. It was cheap, right? But the the idea is put in the dollars and then let it grow because the economy and the stock market generally has grown since the 1920s. I think this is a great point because while companies themselves have risen and fallen, the stock market itself has continually gone up over time. This is where the concept of ETFs and index funds really come into play. And we're going to be diving deeper into these concepts next episode. But basically, these can be a way to buy into a lot of different stocks at once. Now, you might be thinking something like, this sounds great, Justin, invest, make more money, everyone's happy. I mean, who doesn't want more money? But I'm in high school or I'm in college and I barely have any money to buy a Wendy's 4 for 4, let alone invest into the stock market. 
When it comes to finance, especially personal finance, I love the quote that personal finance is more personal than it is finance. If you barely have the money and you can't invest, that's okay. There is no one size fits all when it comes to finance. When the time is right and you are able to invest, I highly recommend you start investing. And I think this is a great segue into Judy's last point. When people say to me, I barely have any money anyway, why bother investing? I say two things. If you barely have any money anyway, definitely make sure that your daily and monthly expenses are covered, right? I've said before that the stock market isn't risky if you put money in and just don't think about it anymore until you retire in style. But what that means is you can't go treating the stock market like a bank where you take money out anytime you want. So if you're barely making ends meet, your rent and your monthly expenses take priority. Now, if you're saying my monthly expenses are covered and I squeeze out an extra 30 $50, is that worthwhile? Then my answer is a very strong yes. I wish I had started investing in my college years, even when I had an extra $100 to play with for a month. Believe me, there's lots of interesting stocks that you're aware of that are only around $100 or $200. If you believe in Airbnb, spend $170 in buying a share of Airbnb, right? The sooner that you get into the market, the, the, the earlier that you start caring about the market. And when you start doing that, you start understanding some of the jargon, some of the vocabulary. And the sooner you get comfortable with that, the more confident you will be. By the time you're in your late 20s or early 30s, nothing will intimidate you because you'll have been thinking about it for a really long time. And believe me, if you were to Google an investment returns calculator, they will show you that even a couple of hundred dollars a month starting in your early 20s means millions in returns by the time that you retire because every single year the stock market has generally gone up and the stock market in the U.S. has always been up and to the right ever since its inception in the 1920s. So if you don't have any money to start investing, don't worry make sure that you have your expenses covered first because you need to be able to live before you can even invest but if you do have an extra ten dollars twenty dollars hundred dollars a month start looking to see if you can invest it and over time those constant contributions will add up and when you look into your investment account in let's just say a decade or so you might be surprised at what that money has become and now you might say, well, Justin, I have $10. How does that help me when Amazon is 3000 or Airbnb is 170 Well, that's the beauty of the internet. As technology has grown, there's this new concept called partial shares, where instead of buying a whole share, you can buy portions of one. A free app that I personally use is public.com. And if you sign up right now using the link in our show notes, you'll get $10 of a free stock. Well, that's about it. I'm out. Here's the challenge. To get this podcast to the next level, the best way for shows to grow is to get reviews on iTunes, and we need to get to 110 by the end of season 11. If we do, we will be giving away a $110 gift card to Amazon to someone who leaves us a review on iTunes. To make sure that we know who leaves these reviews, make sure to take a screenshot of the review and send it to the email in the show notes. And if you listen on Spotify or any of the other podcasting platforms, personally, I get that. I listen on Spotify because I like it better, but just grab the closest iPhone and leave us a review. All right. See you guys next episode. Peace.